0: Welcome to Lockbox. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I'm here today with Eric Stegeman. Eric, thanks for being with us.
1: Thanks for the invite. I appreciate it. Looking forward to uh, chatting.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So why don't you first tell our listeners who you are, where you're from?
1: My name is Eric Stegeman. I am the CEO of Tribus. Uh, We are the largest independently owned prop tech company, meaning uh, we make technology, software technology. And in in our specific case, we work with some of the largest brokerages uh, in the entire country. So our our typical model that we go and work with a brokerage is that we sit down and really understand their needs and then kind of custom design a software system for what they need at that exact moment in their brokerage. Um, I'm originally from St. Louis, Missouri, go Cardinals, and uh, have lived in a number of places since then. In fact, when Tribus first got started, we started in Orange County, California, Uh, have since lived in Chicago, Denver, Colorado, uh, where we both have offices, and recently in the northern part of Florida.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I'm in Orange County in Huntington Beach, so well done having some time there. It's it's a good spot out here, but, uh, you know, Florida... Awesome as well. So what got you into the real estate industry?
1: Um, It's kind of a a funny story. Uh, I did not imagine I would be here 21, almost 22 years later. Uh, But I actually got into real estate to pay to go to college. So I never imagined I would be here because actually what happened was I went to a school and back 20 something years ago, it was at that point, about 45, $47,000 a year to go there. And, you know, we just didn't, family didn't have the money to to be able to throw 40 something thousand dollars uh, at school. And I didn't really want to leave with, you know, $200,000 in debt in student debt. And so I looked around and I said, "What are what are some jobs that I could do?" And of course, there are campus jobs that pay paid back then about five bucks an hour. Nothing, um, yet. yeah. <laughs> and uh, there's other things that you can do, but I was really looking for something where I could do it, you know, on my own time after uh, I was done with class and after homework and everything like that was complete. But that uh, I could in a year essentially make enough to pay for my college that year, and. I got done with the first year and that was i started selling real estate i had gone into college uh and been doing all of that at the exact same time and i made uh just over a hundred thousand dollars selling real estate my first year in the business wow. And then it became an entirely different conversation with my parents, which was Why am I going to college? <laughs> that is exactly correct. Uh, so I said, uh, I, I'm not sure I should do this. You know, I'm making my uh, engineering job back 20 something years ago, uh, would have made about $30,000 a year as an entry level job. And I said, I can make $30,000 doing that, or I can make a hundred and something thousand dollars a year selling real estate. So I said I'm I'm going to do the real estate thing and transfer to a different school because I promised my mom I would graduate with a degree and so I transferred to a different school that I could I could do more as a commuter type of a school and it wasn't mm-hmm. I didn't have to do you know 15 18 hours a semester um, and ended up did, I did to uh, did graduate with a business degree with an emphasis in marketing but uh, started real estate. I did really well at a big brand, and then about eighteen months after that, I decided to uh, start my own brokerage. My my brokerage had implemented a transaction fee, and twenty years ago, this particularly in St. Louis, Missouri, was absolutely unheard of of a transaction fee. And so, um, my clientele that I had was was friends of family members, was my friends, was you know, investors that I had known, et cetera, And so I, I didn't feel really comfortable. So I'd been eating that transaction fee. And so I said, I'm going to go start my own brokerage. This can't be hard, right? Well, I still to this day say that the uh, the one of the biggest accomplishments I ever had was I ran that brokerage for almost seven years before I sold it. Uh, and at, at the time I sold it, we were the largest independent brokerage in St. Louis. But that's not the the biggest achievement. The biggest achievement was starting a brokerage at 21 years old, and running it for almost seven years and never getting sued. I still don't know how <laughs> uh, running running a brokerage for uh, that at right when I turned twenty one, how we never got sued for anything. But. But yeah, so we we did that. I did the brokerage thing, ran the brokerage, built it from zero to or one, me, to 128 agents uh, the day that I sold the company. We were really gaining some steam. And then somebody made me an offer. I simply couldn't refuse to buy the company. Uh, But they had this non-compete clause. And I said, look, all I've done since I was 18, 19 was sell real estate what am I supposed to do? And uh, because they also said, you can't sell real estate to anybody that's not a direct relative. So I said, okay, well, what if I keep all the software that we developed to run the brokerage? What if I keep all of that? And I'm not going to sell that to you. I'm just going to license it back to you. And then I'm going to go to other brokers and, and sell that software to them. But I agree for the next three years, I won't start a brokerage. That sounded great to them. And, and here we are now 12 years later on on the Tribus side of things that uh, that what we do, the core of what we do really came out of the fact that we started it at a brokerage.
0: Yeah, that's interesting that you built a brokerage from you know 1 to 128 agents in your early 20s. And then from that experience, the kind of secondary just systems you're putting in place to just run and scale that brokerage, all of a sudden, seven years later, when you sold, then you had a non-compete became the main thing. And, you know, you extracted it and were able to then monetize that and then put all your focus into it, right, and continue to invest. And then you probably had the resources to put a team around it and a really solid foundation of the knowledge of what's needed. So very interesting story. And now with Tribus today, I saw on your website when I clicked products, it was like size eight font, you know, like 10 lines with like eight rows of just all these products. It was, I was like, wow, (laughs) Um, you know, there's a lot of depth here. So. Why don't you give the elevator pitch for Tribus? and you know we can we can dive in a little bit deeper after that?
1: Sure. you know what we do, I tell new employees that start at Tribus because I still talk to every single new employee that we hire in some way, even if it's just for lunch. Um, but i I talk to them and I, I explain to them. I, You know, essentially, there's a reason why we have a month-long process before any employee is allowed to talk to any customer, and the reason is, is what we do is both a mile wide and a mile deep, and there's a reason why there's not very many competitors in our space, and why a lot of the a lot of them that have been in our space for a while have all been gobbled up and just you know aggregated into large organizations. Most recently, obviously, there was property base that got bought by. By Lone Wolf, which you know they were at one point a, a pretty big competitor of ours. But the hard part in this side of the business is when you work with brokerages um, to get the best adoption and to have the best platform that brokerages are happy with. You kind of have to do most, if not everything, tech-wise that they need. And so we do. Their websites, we do both custom and semi-custom brokerage websites. We do websites for every single real estate agent that that brokerage has, every team that that brokerage has. We do search engine optimization for the brokerage. Uh, we do. We just launched our ads platform called Tribus Engage where uh, either the brokerage or the agents can do ads or listing ads or, or Google ads or whatever to drive traffic and drive leads to their websites. We then have a CRM. Uh, and our CRM is not just a lead management tool, it's an actual CRM that agents actually enjoy using and turn off other CRM tools that they're purchasing uh, to use the broker provided tool. Then inside of that, we have email marketing, we have saved searches from MLS data, uh, we've got the ability to track calls and and text messages, and it reminds agents to follow up with people they haven't spoken with in a while. Uh, not just you know, hey, here's new leads, but here's folks that were past clients, and maybe you need to follow up with them every 120 days. To just say hi. Um, so we've got all of that. We have a basic transaction management system that that's uh, inside of there, and while we don't do the signing or the document side of it, we do keep track of the data to uh, and then use that for some custom reporting and coaching systems that we've built in where uh, an agent or their manager or the company uh, representative can go in there and see what the exact track record of that agent has been this year or what their office track record or what their regional track record is, how much they've sold, what their average days on market are, what what their average list to sale price is. Um, So we've got that built in. We have a number of other tools um, that are in there as well. So like for example, print marketing, Uh, we do automated print marketing um, delivery to the agent anytime they get a new listing. Uh, that's all in there. We also have uh, some unsexy things um, that when brokers realize it's there, they're like, wow, I didn't even know that anybody was doing this. For example, our data warehouse, where we aggregate all the broker's data, including sometimes 20 or 30 years of back brokerage data, sale transaction data, roster data. And then we can do all sorts of really cool AI things for them based upon that, like decide where to put new offices um, or decide, you know, what agents are, are a best fit for them to be recruiting right now. So, you know, we do all of that as well. So it's it's a pretty wide uh, set of tools that we would build. But when it comes down to it, the thing that I say is our secret weapon at Tribus is we're the only vendor in the space that does 12 hour a day support and success slash training uh, for every single agent in every single brokerage. So most of our competitors, you know, they do they support the, the staff or a certain number of staff. Or when an agent needs help, they're talking to somebody in China or India. Every person that works at Tribus in the United States, and if an agent needs help, they're talking to somebody that's gotten a month of training before they're even allowed to talk to that person. And then we help coach them on how to do better with their ads, how, what they can put on their website. Um, help them send email marketing. And we do that all 12 hours a day. And it's one of the reasons why we have the industry leading adoption rate at 44%, uh, which we're pretty darn proud of. So as you can see, it's it's a very wide, uh, wide set of tools and products that we offer. Um, but When you come down to a brokerage, they don't want tools that are, you know, they don't want 15 different tools that do 15 different things that don't talk together or say they talk together and never do. They want something that's really connected, works in one place, and that they want to have one place to go to if they need help with those tools.
0: Right. Yeah, it makes sense. And I admire your focus on support. I conducted extensive market research when I launched my info product business geared towards teaching real estate agents how to do what my digital marketing agency was doing and do it at a fraction of the cost because it's not taking us time, you're licensing our intellectual property to launch ads and things that we've proven, but it takes the agent time to go through, watch the videos, learn, and the adoption rate was extremely low. The churn was high and we were trying to look at how we can improve this. And we implemented some group and one-on-one coaching, availability, chat functionality, where they could chat a question and we'd get right back to them. And it was really difficult to grow that, even as a small firm within the last couple of years. So to now extrapolate that to what your business is and to offer that level of support for that wide of a user base is, you know, it's admirable. And, you. you know, past that, I, also admire how you have a lot of different products, but it doesn't seem like the individual products were diluted by the focus being split, right? It seems like they all have a lot of depth to them. They all have a lot of functionality. And one thing that you mentioned that was really interesting was about the AI, looking at their data and being able to then tell them where to put an office never heard of that. That's awesome. Put a second office, you know, because whatever it is, 34% of their clientele are in that area and they seem to have success in that area, whatever the, you know, the AI is doing. That's really cool. And another thing that you mentioned was what type of agent to recruit next. Now I want to dive into that because not only did you scale a brokerage in your twenties from one to 128 agents, something that very few people will ever do get a brokerage over 100 agents in and of itself is just a feat, but to do it in your twenties is incredible. So obviously there's a bit of a recruiter in you and you knew that that was a need when you took the software or, you know, um, picked up the software that you had built and, you know, now built Tribus. So with recruiting, I'm very interested to know what the AI is doing to, or, you know, you don't have to give away trade secrets, but like as a broker, what is that telling me? Like, how is that benefiting me from recruiting? Because recruiting, I can tell you, is a big pain point and a common request to me as a digital marketing agency owner? Hey, can you help me recruit? So, yep. you know, what, what kind of solutions are you offering in, in that realm?
1: So, you know, it comes down to, it comes down to each independent brokerage, right? And, you know, what I say about Tribe is having secret sauce and a few different things. This is, this is probably one of them too, is our competitors are, they uh, have wall street funding you know in some cases 40 50 60 million dollars of funding their model that wall street has suggested to them is you have to have a one-size-fits-all approach so it has to be something recreatable that you don't have to spend hours and hours and hours with the brokerage to understand them Uh, it's got to be flick on a switch and uh, and start making money from that potential client as soon as you're done selling them and the fortunate thing is in real estate, it just doesn't work. It's why the adoption rate of the average broker provided tool is less than 10%. And, and in some of our numbers, it's 6%. And so the answer to your question is actually, it's about learning the brokerage. So we we actually consider ourselves at Tribus more consultants than we do technologists. Um, if you've ever heard of like Accenture or any of these business consulting companies that happen to do tech, we, we actually put ourselves closer in that a vein than we do, you know, comparing ourselves to like an inside real estate or a a, um, Boston Logic slash property base. Uh, And Mm -hmm. the reason why is before we even allow a a company to get through the sales process, we know things about that brokerage that, you know, how they recruit, what they recruit, what their support staff is, et cetera. And so we start building more or less models just internally, even during the sales cycle, when we talk to the brokerage, and then we talk to them about how they're doing recruiting, or how they're work, they're uh, having their agents work their CRM system, or how they're doing digital marketing. And through that process, um, we come to learn who's going to be the right person to fit in. So to answer your question about recruiting, um, it really is different for each brokerage. You know, some brokerages want a, you know, can they fog a mirror process? We really encourage them not to do that. You know, we try to say, hey, there's a culture. There's um, Let me give you a really good example. One of our clients, REMAX Results, they're the largest REMAX in the world. They have about 1,400 sales associates and their average sales associate closes 26 transactions, 26 plus transactions in an average year. So if you think about that, 1,400 people, 26 transactions, pretty amazing. And in fact, there's another brokerage in the state of Minnesota that has 5,000 agents that closes less than half as many transactions as this particular brokerage does. And you know, what's their special sauce, right? It, it's really clear. It's A players, right? So that particular brokerage, if they recruited newbies, if they recruited people that didn't know what they were doing, they would irritate the people that did know what they're doing. So for them, it's a matter of identifying not only who are the, the people selling lots of real estate, but also who are the people that sell lots of real estate that, that are, are looking to not have everything always be all about them and that they're going to play on this team that's, you know, the all-star team, right? And what happens if you watch all-star games at any sport, when the teams lose that are on all-star teams, it's like somebody tried to run away with it on their own, right? And at at Remax Results, something that they've done really amazing is their brokerage, they have all of these all-stars that work and, and have their licenses at the company, um, but they play really well with each other, right? So when one of those players says, hey, look, I I do this market really, really well. And then somebody wants to go buy some land that's 50 miles away. And that person obviously could go help them, especially when you have an MLS that covers that kind of breadth uh, that they could go do that. They don't do that. They say, hey, look, let me let me get you referred over to this amazing partner that I have inside of the company and, and they'll be able to help you out. So it's not always um, all about them. So for that particular broker, who they recruit is uh, is it, it's not based upon sales tactics. It's not based upon you know beating people down to convince them to move their license. It's a matter of finding the right people that they want to work with. We have another brokerage in northern Florida, Scenic Sotheby's Realty, and they do the exact same thing. You don't walk in and say I want to go work at Scenic Sotheby's. They for two or three years are watching you. And figuring out if you'll be a good fit, hearing if you've done a transaction with one of their agents, hearing if you're a jerk, you know, and in your text messages back and forth that you sent to the other agent, that you're clearly just a bad person. They don't want that, right? And so each brokerage is a very long answer to your question, but each brokerage is really different in terms of how they do things. And it's a matter of learning those and then building your models around that. And some things you can model right? So, Hey, look, we know we're really good at taking people that in their first year did at least 2 million and turning them into $10 million producers within two years. That's a model, right? And we can find that person and and see that they're going to fit in really, really well. Uh, But then it's up to the recruiter and the things that tech can't do. And that's what I love about this business is tech does a lot of things, but it can never do everything. And so the tech... Uh, can say, hey, Mr. or Miss Recruiter, uh, here's somebody that we think might fit really well based upon what the numbers say, but now it's up to you to really sit down with that person and figure out, is this this somebody that you're going to want to hang your hat on? Right?
0: Right. Yeah, it's very true that tech can do a lot, but when it comes down to it, this is a people business. Most businesses are. And especially with recruiting, it is so important in my opinion. I used to be a recruiter so important to find out not what you want, but what they want. And really, if there's alignment there, you can make them see the light of how this office could be a vehicle for them to achieve what they want faster, better, more enjoyably, then that's the secret sauce, right? But that happens in person.
1: It's any sales, right? Like when people call into Tribus and people call into our competitors, it's a very different process. We sit there and kind of vet them and then also, you know, talk about what their needs are. We do a first, in our sales team, they do a first call that's 30 minutes. And all we ask is, what do you like about your current vendor? What don't you like about your current vendor? What uh, What are your current pain points? Where do your employees spend lots of time that you think they shouldn't be spending time? That's what our first call is. We don't show anything on the first call. Nothing. There's zero Zoom video demo mm-hmm. on the first call. Because we have to understand that brokerage and make sure it's going to be a good fit first. The same thing happens in recruiting. The same thing happens in any real enterprise sales of anything that's out there. You got to make sure it's going to be a good fit. Otherwise, you end up with uh, what in the NPS world, the net promoter score world is called bad profits. You can have somebody sitting there paying you, but they're off saying bad things about you down the street or frustrated about it or whatever it happens to be. And it, it's, it's not a good thing for anybody. And so the same thing happens with agents. If you recruit an agent and that agent's making you a hundred grand a year, but they're causing you a million dollars a year in grief, is it worth having that person on, on your roster?
0: Right. Very interesting. And couldn't agree more. So this podcast is really about action items for success. In fact, the description of the show is... A podcast providing real estate professionals with action items for success right Yep. actions 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 that is so key that's everything you can talk you can think but until you take action nothing actually happens and in my experience in direct selling especially where your paycheck is dependent upon the actions that you take it's a direct correlation i found that when i focus on a single most important action That might be a key productivity indicator, a KPI, or something as simple as a phone call. If that's my action and I focus on that one action consistently over time, the results just come, they just do. And if you want to then double your income, you double the amount of actions you're putting in. And if you've run out of time because you want to now double your income again, but you don't have the time, that's where you put a system in place, you bring in a new team member, you figure out a way to get those actions completed in that shorter amount of time. So my question to you Eric is what is the single most important action that you take on a daily basis that has attributed most to your success and this can span all the way back from your your college years when you then scaled the brokerage <laughs> by the you know bootstrapped a brokerage to 128 agents all the way up to today or something more recent as a revelation but you know what, what is that like single most important action every day that attributes most to your success
1: let me give you two answers and i'm going right. to give you one from when i was an agent because that's, you know, you're a listener. Super relevant to my audience. Uh, Exactly. And then I'll give you what I do today. So when I was an agent, I read a book when I first started selling real estate and it changed my life and it changed my entire life trajectory. And that was a book by Daniel Kennedy called How to List and Sell Real Estate. Easiest book title in the entire world, you know, kind of a, a very simple thing. And it goes out of print, but I encourage everybody that's listening, get the book from Amazon it's it's simple items however it's what'll separate you i i think and one of those things is you know that i did when i first started was every morning i learned what was going on in my market i learned what was going on in every single listing near every single listing that i had Um, I learned, you know, where it was going on in the markets that my clients were looking for properties in, et cetera. And, and one of the things that, that, uh, is covered in this book is the importance of knowing data. When Danielle Kennedy started selling real estate, she actually had a, a, um, a index cards with uh, what was going on in the market that she would keep uh, handy to know, oh yeah, there's this listing down the street. Well, now <laughs> we have it a lot easier where we have these little phones that we can just pull up there and say, oh, what's going on down the street. But the key was when when somebody came to one of her open houses and when somebody came to one of my open houses, I could sit there and say, oh, well, you know, this one's not the right one for you. There's one five doors down. I can show that property to you. Give me just a couple minutes. Let me get a, a colleague of mine here to finish up the open house. I'll walk you down there and show that property or vice versa, right? And so I knew that data and then I knew the markets and I also knew where the things were being really successful in in those markets. Um, so I could go in and say, look, you know, there's a new builder is coming in over here, there's going to be a bunch of new new uh, development that's over here, or, hey, lots of people are looking to move here, or Citibank just opened up a new headquarters for all of their credit card processing, they're going to want to have people that live in these areas, how do we take advantage of those? So knowing my data um, back then, and then essentially, having Almost an encyclopedia that somebody could ask me about real estate, and I would be able to answer that for them. And you know, not everybody can remember everything, but you, you try to remember enough that you can say, "Oh, you know, blah 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 blah," and uh, let me send you over a report real quick, or let me send you over some listings that that matter for that. That was incredibly effective for me because I became known as the guy that had the information. Right? Yep. That was when I sold real estate. Today, it is all about service. And so if you ask our clients, if you would ask Tribus clients, um, what is a differentiator? You know, CRM and a lot of tools today have become very commoditized. I get offers to invest in new tools like CRM tools frequently in our space, and people think I deny them because of, you know, us already having a CRM, and, and that's not accurate. It's really CRM has become mostly commoditized. We charge per user for CRM, we charge per user for websites, but what we really provide is a level of service that is unmatched because of the knowledge that we have in the industry and because of the care that we have for our particular customers, so we take really good care of our individual customers. I have chains of messages, hundreds and sometimes thousands of messages deep between LinkedIn Messenger, Facebook Messenger, text message, phone calls with our clients. I talk to them regularly. I've talked to five or six brokers this morning, and it's noon, just of our current customers. We're checking in. How's this going? What are you seeing in the market? Is it slowing down? You know, what's going on that you're seeing or how's recruiting going? Because recruiting season is getting ready to kick up here fairly shortly where, you know, people make the decision to make the moves on their licenses. So I asked them all those questions and then I always ask them, how can I help? You know, what can we do at Tribus to make things better? And so for me, nothing has changed our business as much as moving from operating on the business on a daily basis that I did for the first five or six years that Tribus was around where you know, for the first few years, I was the support rep. <laughs> I was the project manager. I was you know everything as we were getting up and running to the position where I can do now, which it relies on the fact that I have a phenomenal team of people behind me, but it allows me to pick up that phone and just talk to our clients and check in with them and see how it's going. And try to help them in any single way possible. And remember that we are a service organization, a consulting organization that happens to sell technology, not vice versa.
0: Very interesting. In the beginning, when you were talking about the first most important action being the information gatherer, the encyclopedia of your market, what stuck out to me there was when someone would ask you a question, you were able to speak in such a way that Whatever you said was just scratching the surface. And that is so important the ability to be brief, but still be concise and get the message across. And when they have another question, you easily can answer it. When they have another question, you can easily answer it. That is so different from how most people verbally vomit because they have nothing to say and they're trying to make it up. And you're trying to get them to, you know, shut up for a second to like get a word in. Because when you're the first person where you're you're brief, you're concise, you are able to quickly answer their question and then allow them the space to ask another one. It keeps them wanting more and coming back to you for more. And then they really respect and value that information. So that is such a big part of it. And, you know, today we live in an age where the information now, brokers are no longer the keeper of information, but. Something that I heard in a podcast interview a few weeks ago from one of my guests, which I love, is now we are the interpreters of information. Now there's information overload. <laughs> and we can act as the the person who can look at this data or this spreadsheet or all these hundreds of listings or you know this inventory and all these things going on and be able to make that make sense for our client and what their goals are.
1: It's like financial advisors. So, so funny story that you say that. When I started my brokerage, my goal originally um, was I, my best friend growing up. Her dad uh, was the COO of Edward Jones. And I had this vision to essentially set up our model as brokerages, uh, as a brokerage to be very similar to their model. And if you're not familiar with Edward Jones they have offices all over the place, but their offices are 500 square feet or 800 square feet. And there's only two people that work in the office. It's a very different model from like a Merrill Lynch or something like that, that had uh, people in centers that had hundreds and and thousands of people in a single office uh, that just bombarded you on the phone. And the whole idea with Edward Jones is you went and had that relationship. You could sit down and you wouldn't get rushed uh, out the door or off of a phone call in, in talking to somebody, and we had that same idea with what we were doing on the brokerage side of things. Because what I what I said back, you know, 20 years ago was the thing of why realtors will always have relevance is the same reason why even 20 years ago, when E Trade existed, before even today of Robinhood and everything like that. Um, if you have any serious amount of wealth. You don't rely on yourself to make those decisions. And mm-hmm. while there are some people that will go and do that, and certainly some people that have become Bitcoin millionaires uh, from more or less getting lucky on things, there are lots of people out there and the vast majority of them that have you know, more than a couple hundred thousand dollars. They're going to an Edward Jones representative and sitting down, talking through plans and creating them and, and, and helping or having the Edward Jones person help them understand what's going on. And a lot of realtors take for granted that everybody knows what's going on in the market because of exactly what you said. But what they forget a lot of times is that. It, it's easy to spit data out there it's really hard to distill that data uh and just like in the financial service ind- industry i mean you can go and find the historic stock price what the price was from any tick of every minute of every single day going back to the first day that the stock ever traded it doesn't mean you know what's going to happen next and who cares what happened in the past what happens next is what you know a buyer or a seller cares about right right and that's where the a realtor a professional that knows their market where they Really come in is to be able to sit down and say, "Hey, look, you know, here's what's going on. Here's what I would suggest for you to do. Hey, by the way, markets are going crazy. We're getting forty offers on property. Another really good example. My wife and I bought a house in Florida last year during the pandemic. The person that sold the house uh, was selling it for sale by owner. He probably could have sold that home if he had talked to a realtor. He probably would have sold that home uh, for significantly more than what we were able to buy it for." even at the beginning of the pandemic last year, because there was already the average property in this area was already getting 10, 12 offers at that point. But he didn't speak to a professional. He said, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to go and sell my house. And and we were able to get a pretty good deal on that house because of it. Whereas if you... if you hire a serious professional that really knows what they're doing, that person, like the realtor we use to buy the house, um, that person steps in and says, "By the way, I've distilled all this information for you, uh, and you know you're getting a steal. And I would have paid, you know, she was telling me I would pay way more for this house." Whatever happens, take the deal uh, because you're getting a steal on the property. Right. So that's it's a perfect example of the difference between having that serious professional and that person that knows what they're talking about and and then trying to do something on your own.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Super important. And there was a moment in there where I had something, but the second example threw me off. So sorry. All good. No worries. You said about being example.
1: concise. I'm not sure anybody's ever said that I'm Mr. Concise. I I try to sprinkle things in and, and I've always tried to be knowledgeable on enough stuff that I, you know, I know my lane. And I could sit there and talk about that lane. And for me, um, there, you know, real estate is is definitely one of those things that I could sit there and talk to you about all day, every day, because I'm just passionate about the industry. Um, right. But you know, in that way, I'm probably not concise. But if you, we have a conversation, you know, we can go ban- banter back and forth, and I could probably from my head call off a lot of information for you. But you're right in that some people try to get in there and, and BS it for other things that they don't know about. And you know, even my team, I tell them don't guess on something, never guess on anything. Say, you know, let me look into that and get back to you is a way better answer. And people were, I think in the long run, particularly, they'll respect you more if you say that and get them a right answer than than trying to guess on something and be wrong.
0: That's right. So is there a question that I should have asked you or anything that you'd like to elaborate on from earlier? Ooh,
1: what's next in real estate? I mean... That's something that I get asked about frequently on, on different things that I'm on. You know, if I, let me put it this way. If I was a broker or an agent that was listening in, there is a, if you watch any of the Facebook groups, lab code agents, or uh, what should I spend my money on, or a couple of these other ones that are out there that are Facebook groups um, for realtors, you'll see pretty consistently that they bash the concept of an iBuyer. And uh, they'll say, Oh, well, you know, they will offer you way less than it's worth. They do this, they do that. And if I was an agent, you know, going back to our conversation uh, about data and everything like that, I mean, Zillow and, and Open Door have a lot of data, right? More than any realtor or more than more than any brokerage that's out there in terms of the data that they have. And even the brokerages that have data all too often, they just store it in a database somewhere and they don't ever do anything with it. Uh, and, and I can assure you that Silo and Open Door are doing things with their data pretty consistently. And the worst thing that I see agents doing right now is looking at these, uh, op- these iBuyer type things and just completely throwing them under the bus and saying, oh, well, you know, the offer's terrible. Well, the problem, folks, is they're not so terrible anymore. They were when it first started. It was definitely Ugg buys ugly houses. Do you do you remember Ugg buys ugly houses? The the home investors, you know, where it was, hey, let's offer 60, 70 cents on the dollar for for the listing, um, even minus the the fix up costs. So sixty cents below the fix up costs uh, that were there. That's the way a lot of these offers were in the beginning. But then the data got better and better. And I've certainly seen transactions now, particularly in Denver, where we have a big office, I've seen transactions where they're overpaying the market. And I actually had on our podcast, I had uh, somebody from Open Door on there, and uh, we've, we have a Zillow interview coming up here pretty soon to talk about it. And so they're actually overpaying the market in, in a lot of cases, because they have the data to say, we know that if we hold the property for two months, that it'll be worth it. Uh, and we'll cover it. and we'll generate lots of leads. We'll generate lots of you know of uh, referrals that we can send agents. We'll generate uh, mortgage leads, We'll generate title leads. We'll do all of this uh, during that process. And so the worst thing I think an agent could be doing right now is not making one of these tools an arrow that's in their quiver. So if I was an agent listening to this, you're talking about being successful. The, the agents that I've seen really successful are not the ones poo-pooing these types of offers. They're presenting it alongside them working there. So we have mm-hmm. agents you know, that are Tribus customers inside of their brokerages, and they'll say, hey, traditional sale, um, that I sell it for you and and then he here's what open door's offer is and here's what Zillow's offer is and they'll present the real information now Zillow open door a common misconception is that you know an agent doesn't make any money on those those companies will pay commissions uh, to an agent now it's not three percent but they will pay something for you essentially sending the business over to over to them and so you can at least make a couple bucks on that and then try to get the the buyer side of the transaction right but In some cases, a seller is going to sit there and say, the best option for me is to sell this home in two minutes. And I need to to sell it as fast as I possibly can. And I don't care if I don't get the top dollar for it. Now, in other cases, like I said, in Denver, they're overpaying what even a competitive bidding environment is going to be. So if you go get a Zillow offer uh, in in a market that's real hot, Denver being one of them, Raleigh, North Carolina being another one, Austin, Texas being another one it's likely that that offer even after all the fees and everything else that they put into it it's likely that offer is going to be probably better than even a multiple uh, multiple offer situation is going to be and realtors aren't willing to believe that right now but it is it is a pretty accurate thing you know a piece of advice to to agents that are listening in and to be successful and to be a trusted advisor like we were talking about is to present all the options that are out there and not take anything for granted always keep an open mind for everything do your research know whether the offer is better or not, but present all of the information uh, with information overload, and then distill that and say, Hey, look, here's option A and here's option B. And uh, whatever one you choose, I will be supportive of you because I am your real estate advisor. And I'm going to be here today, tomorrow, and in years to come when maybe there's no more open door, or maybe when there's no more Zillow offers down the road somewhere.
0: Well, that's a great projection. I know that my top clients, they include it in their listing presentation. They just offer options. And many times they still come in where if, for example, there's some deferred maintenance and they want to do some repairs, one of my clients in particular offers a cash advance. And then from that, then they're able to get significantly more than if they just sold to the iBuyer today. But he compiles the iBuyer offers for that property and includes it in his listing presentation as an option. Yep. I, yeah, it's, it's here to stay. I, I agree that you know, you have to know your competitor. You have to, and you should never negatively talk about your competitor because it doesn't look good on you, honestly. And that's been my experience in direct selling is like know where your competitor's strengths are, know where your strengths are, and then you can educate the client on what's best for them. And in many cases, it will be to work with you directly, but like you said, you can refer to an iBuyer and they'll give you a referral fee. So really astute point, appreciate having you on. How can listeners contact you?
1: Sure. So they can uh, you know, certainly listen to our podcast, which you know I, I'm always a big believer in listening to as many of these types of things and, and getting information uh, from lots of different sources. So check us out. On, you know, you're listening to this podcast. Uh, maybe also subscribe if you like podcasts to our Brokerage Insider podcast for agents because we don't, we don't sell something, anything directly to agents. But you know, if you're an agent listening, at least subscribe to our podcast called Brokerage Insider uh, that you can find that's out there. Um, And then uh, number two is check us out at Tribus.com. That's T-R-I-B, like boy, U, like uniform, S, like sam.com. Check us out there. And, uh, you know, if your brokerage is looking for tech, or if you're a staff person or executive at a brokerage and your brokerage is looking for tech that comes with the greatest support <laughs> that's out there, um, definitely you know, give us a ring or reach out to us at tribus.com where you can read, we don't hide anything, you know. Uh, that's exactly what you were talking about there is pretty much every feature for every one of our products is, is right there on the website and uh, uh, you can research everything that's on there and, and uh, we're happy to, to get you some pricing and see if it's a fit.
0: Awesome. Well, I appreciate having you on, Eric Stegeman everyone, previous successful broker, scaled and sold a brokerage with over hundred agents. I mean, that in and of itself is a huge feat. Could have just retired there, right? But no, he went and started Trivus where all of the software systems from his successful brokerage have now just compounded with over 12 years of focused effort. And really your focus on support is music to the ears of so many listeners because how many times have we started something not felt supported, then we just feel like we wasted money because we weren't able to actually adopt and get ROI from that product or service. So that focus on support is huge. And I really appreciate having you on the podcast today. Thank you.
1: My pleasure. Thanks again. Uh, really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening